It's a new day. Yes, it is. Wakey, wakey. Time to get up. Good morning, citizens. Up and at them. Fresh and shine. This is your wake-up call, people. Come on, the coffee's on. We're going to get you guys circulating on Christian radio. I understand young people. I know what's hip. I know what's on. I know what's lit. I know what's fleet. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Rise and shine, nerds. Welcome to episode 408 of the Backrow Morning Show, a part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network and the official exclusive morning show for LTN Radio. I'm Radio Matt, the station manager and chief radio nerd. I'm 18 years saved, 16 years married, 11 years recovered, 7 years a father, and 36 years a nerd. And I'm Mo. A lot of things wrapped up in one small but loud package. Your very own casserole of a co-host doing my best to bring the best. But one thing I'm not is good at math. (laughs) Today on the show, how do we fight the culture and love it at the same time? Also on the show today, our Discord will debate a topic about Mario. But first, today is Tuesday, October 19th, 2021, and we got some holidays to celebrate. Uh, That's right. It is National New Friends Day. New Friends Day. Uh-huh. And that, that's it's, when we we launch a, a rebooted version of the Friends series with none of the original cast except Joey, who now plays Gunther. You don't even know what you're talking about right now, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you seen that? Whenever they reboot a show, they always take one of the original characters and he's playing a different role completely in their... And not any reference to him being in the original show. So, uh, new friends. Whole new version for, for 2021. I'm just going to start it over. And Joey's going to be the guy that owns the coffee shop. I mean, You'd we never it. really knew if <laughs> Gunther owned the coffee shop or if he just managed the coffee shop. And for a period of time there, Joey did work at the coffee shop. So, it just kind of makes sense. that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I know friends. I know things. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> and it's also evaluate your life day. Uh, that one's that one's not as fun. Evaluate your life because <laughs> if you're not a friends fan, then you've got some serious evaluating to do. If you did not follow along with that previous conversation about Joey and Gunther in Central Park, then you need to evaluate. <clears throat> I watched a um, a video that was evaluating um, sitcoms that use laugh tracks by removing the laugh track to see what kind of emotion uh-huh. the show really gives off. And Friends did really well. Like, for the most part, most of Friends jokes still kind of land. They still do really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike Big Bang Theory, where when you take it out, everything everybody just feels like they really hate each other, and it's mm-hmm. very uncomfortable. Yeah. Except in Friends, except for whenever... They're watching the old naked man in the other building. Every time you take the laugh track out of any of those instances, they seem like stalking, murderer-type gross people. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Big Bang Theory without the laugh track is terribly painful. It's so bad. It's so bad. Do you know... I had a mutual friend of ours send a, I guess it was a GIF the other day or a meme. 
it was a meme um, that said, just got a tattoo of every hilarious friend scene. And it was just an arm with a piece of uh, saran wrap over it and nothing, nothing. on it. <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong. That I sent a gift back that said, K, but you wrong, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, once again, once a week, we like to open up our Discord at backrowdiscord.com for some of our backrow buds to argue some of the internet's favorite arguments. Lately, Super Mario has been in the headlines as the controversial cast for the upcoming animated movies on the way. But uh, let's focus on the video games today. The question that we're going to ask is uh, what is the best Mario game? Now, I'll elaborate on the question in just a second, but let's go ahead and open up the Discord now. And uh, if you're in Twitch right now, you can still jump in as we're discussing. Hello? Hi. Hi. We got Lark. We got Thray. We got Toffee up in here. Mm-hmm. Y'all mm -hmm. Mario fans? Uh, it's-a me, Mario. <laughs> it's-a me, Mario. Hey, Toffee, yeah. buddy. You're still muted. And <laughs> can't right. beat the classics. <laughs> hey, Doing good. All right. So now with this question, what is the best Mario game? We're not counting Mario Kart. We're not counting Ooh. puzzle games or Dr. Mario Smash Brothers. We're not counting Mario Golf or Mario Super Strikers or anything like that. I'm just talking about the Ooh. standard platforming adventure games, 2D, okay, 3D. You're going to hate me. So then. <laughs> 2D, 3D yeah. from any generation. <sighs> Which Mario <laughs> game? Disappointment. You I'll let you. I will let you. I will let you person. give me your your favorite non-standard <laughs> Mario game as well. But I want to know what the best mm -hmm. Mario adventure game is. So, if you can, and if you can't choose, we can we can do top three. You know what? There's there's plenty of plenty of leeway here. This is just a fun topic. So, best adventure version. And then, if you want to, best uh, secondary type of Mario title. So, let's start with, uh, let's start from the bottom. We'll start with Toffee. Bottom as in, in the list, oh. not as people. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> You're top of my list. So, starting off with a good one, right? The best Mario game. It has to be Super Mario Galaxy. Like... Obviously, with the Wii and how it incorporated motion controls, the nunchucks, it overall an amazing game. Very good story. Introduced us to a top two Mario character in Rosalina and introduced this just amazing plot line of where did Rosalina come from? Where did all this, how did all this happen? It's just. Really? It's just really good. Where am I right now? <laughs> What's yeah. my name? Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. And it's led to lots of theories about how did the how did the galaxy ship get there? Why was it built? How how did Rosalina come to be? What even is Rosalina? <laughs> first place because like she could become giant all of a sudden towards the end of the game. I don't know why. But it's just one of my favorite games. And it was put into Super Mario 3D All 3D All Stars. Yeah. 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 Which is the top top three 3D mm. Mario mm. games, I guess. Well, no, that's not really. 
that was just <laughs> I don't feel like that's exactly what that was, but all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, what's your favorite non-standard, non-adventure version of Mario? Oh, Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, I figured. I figured. <laughs> I right. love that game. Hands right. down, that's his game. <laughs> uh, JC Phenom in the chat says the Lost Levels was really good, which is uh, what Japan called Super Mario Brothers Two, or rather Mario Brothers Two. Was this? Was this super, yeah, it was super. Know that the reason they we didn't get that version at the time is because the Japanese people thought it was too difficult for American audiences. You know what? I played it. It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thray. Let's jump in with your thoughts here. Ah, he uh, reversed order, and I have to go now. Uh, let uh, me see. On my chat, you're next, Stephanie. I. <laughs> Okay. Never mind. I think I'm I think I'm gonna make people groan because um My answer will be worse. My brain instantly went Oh Oh, it has to be uh Super Mario Brothers uh three that I used to play on my Game Boy. because uh, that was my favorite. Um and you're talking like but the, the problem original, is, is, you're talking about the I mean, NES the DS game, right? version was pretty good too. Uh, uh, what? You're talking about the NES Super Mario Brothers I... Three, right? Uh oh, I think she might have had difficulty. Uh, oh. I... up. No, I can still hear. Okay. But we can barely yeah, hear you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. She says. <laughs> Yeah, let me let me try. Let me try. Okay, not in my mic. So that's what's going on. Um, it's Robot Three. I really like the. <laughs> I'm sorry, Three. You keep cutting out. <laughs> uh, okay. Right, right, right. Your, right. Write your thoughts in the chat. Yeah, and yeah. We'll read them out loud. Yes. <laughs> No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But now I hear you. Talk to you later, I guess. No, no, no. I hear you. Beautifully. Oh, now it's fine? Now it's fine. Coming in clear, yeah. My life. Anyway. Uh, Sorry, guys. So, yeah, the the classic Super Mario Brothers adventures is what I would go for. Um, I'm guessing it's breaking up again the way you're you're giggling. No, no, no. no, no, no. You're Um, fine. You're fine. Okay. Uh, I remember having to fight folks in order to have my turn playing that game. So that's that's the one that my brain instantly goes to. Not because it was the best or story was great or anything, but just because I found it genuinely difficult at times. And so I would have a lot of satisfaction when I would defeat a stage or something. And, you know, I'd revisit those same feelings with the version they made for the original DS or uh, uh, or even uh, the Mario Maker that they came mm, out with. Yeah. Um, I would just revisit those nostalgia feelings of this is a difficult stage, but <laughs> it has to be completable. How do I do this? I like figuring those puzzles out. Um, so, yeah. The the uh, not traditional platform uh, adventure uh, that I always loved was the Sar- uh, Mario and Sonic Olympics 
Mm. Those were always my my enjoyables. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. that's what I would go to. Okay. Okay. Anyway, sorry <laughs> for the uh, poor quality, guys. I will shut up now. <laughs> Love you, three. All right, Lark. Bring us so, down. You said you were going to bring us down. Let's go. I didn't. I've not played a lot of Mario games. Ugh. So I have to pick. I literally have to just pick the one that I've spent the most time playing, as in spent more than about 10 minutes playing, which is Super Mario Odyssey, out of not having other options. No, you know what? That's fine. Odyssey's a really good game. That's... I didn't make it very far because I was Kathy and I was annoying my fiance too much. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I kept changing the camera angle and flying in the wrong direction. So you haven't played it solo? I have not. As Mario? <laughs> nope. <laughs> this is me. What do you expect from me? Okay. Um, so, yeah. And you, just you, for me, a troll, my favorite non-traditional Mario game, because there was technically Mario stuff in it, is Animal Crossing. <laughs> Get off the line, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect from me? <laughs> All right, Gabigan, Gabigan, save us. What's going on here? Okay, so I think Thray is actually correct as far as uh, I agree with. If you're going traditional platforming Mario, traditional platforming Mario, it's either going to be Super Mario 3, where a lot of the power-ups and stuff that we have nowadays in most of these games comes from, uh-huh. or it's going to be Mario 64, where you know Toffee was all happy about galaxies and stuff like that. The 3D Mario, that's where it originally started. Mm-hmm, 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 so mm-hmm. best two Mario games. But if you're going to go non-traditional, I'm going to say Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. That was actually, yeah, that's that a very a really popular one. Game. I really liked um, Super Paper Mario that came out on the Wii, which they kind of mixed the RPG element with the platforming element for that one. That was really fun. It was really good, and the story was amazing on that one. Um, Odyssey is really in the in at least top three for me. I think they did phenomenal with Odyssey. She was really good. Yes. Yeah, Super Mario Galaxy is good, but it relies really heavily on the gimmick of you know using the nunchucks and all that kind of stuff. It's it's sometimes hard to navigate, sometimes hard to jump, sometimes hard to do what you're there to do. That kind of takes me out of it occasionally. Uh, it's not a bad game. Yeah, the Ori- Origami King. That's that one just came out too, didn't it? I haven't played that one yet. Um, but Nintendo. I mean, the Super Mario sixty four really changed that whole Mario game. Like it's it really launched Mario in a whole new direction. Um, it's hard to beat that in my head. Um, and it's still playable today. Like, it really is. Yeah. And um, I would also, though, say the same thing about Super uh, Super Mario World on uh, Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah. Like, I think that I've played really that good. Mario game more than any other except for 64. Uh, like, just nonstop. Super Mario Brothers 3, definitely my favorite from the NES era. Um, Super Mario Brothers 2 was weird. That weird uh, Doki Doki Panic reskin for America. Um, but it I, was it, all a dream. Yeah, but it had its points. It had its good points. <laughs> uh, non-traditional, I'd have to go with. Um, gosh, it'll be Mario Kart. I just don't know which one. The most recent one's really good. 
Uh, the one before that was really good. It's hard to pick. Those are fun, though. Super Mario Brothers Strikers. Uh, and then there was like a Super Mario Brothers 3-on-3 basketball for Nintendo DS that I really liked. That was fun, too. You a Mario Brothers person? Uh, yeah. Mario fan? I, I really do, actually. If I'm going to like play an old-school video game, it's obviously going to be Mario. But I don't know what you are talking about, because I'm not a gamer, by platform games and whatever it is that you're saying. As in, platform is where... A game where you're controlling a character who's jumping to different platforms to get to the end of the level. That's where that title term comes from. Oh, I still, still I'm not following you. <laughs> so the Mario for N64, is that yay or nay? Yeah. Yeah, any, any standard Mario adventure game is what the... Where but he's going to rescue the Smash princess. and Mario Party are not. Those are non-standard Mario games. Okay, so N64 is my favorite. Mario Party would be my non-platform favorite. Okay. Did you have a specific one or just the genre at all, as a whole? The Mario Party games uh, series? Uh... Toffee, what Mario Party game do we play? <laughs> <laughs> The Switch one. Yeah, that one. <laughs> okay. So that yeah, that's my answer. I don't one. remember the name. Got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say, if we're going to go to, like, um, Game Boy games, there is a Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins, where we first meet Wario as the villain in this game. It was really good. That was such a good game. Such a good game. Still and to this Donkey day. Donkey Kong Jr. What? And Donkey Kong Jr.? Donkey Kong Jr. Eh, no. <laughs> the original arcade. And nobody played it. Was the Wario Land game on the uh, Nintendo... What was that 3D one they came out with years ago? <laughs> uh, the Virtual Boy? <laughs> virtual Boy. That's had a, that a Wario game on the Virtual That's Boy. That's the only really game good. I've ever played on it, and I played it yeah. standing at Blockbuster. <laughs> the demo thing. It's it good enough to make you actually play the Virtual Boy. That tells yeah. you how good the game is. Right. No, the Wario games, the Wario game series, Not I'm not talking about the WarioWare stuff, but the Mario, the Wario Game Boy games and things of that nature were really, really fun, too. They made him weird. They made him like where he couldn't die. Like they were just like you had to figure out the puzzle. So the puzzles were harder, but you also didn't die. So you had hats. You changed your hat. So you'd have like a dragon hat. You have a flying hat, all kinds of weird stuff. And that was before Nintendo 64 came out and gave Mario a bunch of different hats. Anyway. Okay, so Grayson wanted to give his opinion. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So yes, I'm here now. Hi. Okay. How are you guys? Doing good. How are you, Grayson? I'm doing good. What are your thoughts? Uh, okay. I actually did not get to hear the question, but I think I know the question. <laughs> we could ask it if you. <laughs> yeah, I, I went AFK when you asked the question. Okay. The question so. is, what's what's the best Mario game? Specifically, we're talking about Mario's adventure games, you know, where he's going to different stages, trying to save the princess, those kind of games. Yeah. And you're also favorite non-standard Mario game out of like the sports and the fighting and the golf and carts and all that junk. 
See, why uh, can't you even explained it to me that way? Because that way makes a whole heck of a lot more sense than what you originally said. Gosh. My opinion may be unpopular. That's what Mark said. Mark was right. Is, is the best non-standard Mario game. Which one? Mario Kart Wii. Mario Kart Wii. That's that was a good one. I I yeah. don't disagree with you. It was a really Mario good one. Kart Wii is the goat. Yeah, if okay. they just you know ported it to the Switch, I would have been just fine with that. <laughs> but what's uh, your favorite my... standard Mario game? Super Mario Land. The the Game wait. Boy game? No, wait. Hold on, I'm thinking of the wrong one. Super... <laughs> hold on, I got a Super Mario okay. World. The one on the Super Nintendo. Oh, Super! Yeah, yeah, yeah the one for uh, the Super Nintendo. Okay, that's yeah, yeah, is. yeah. That's, that's my favorite. That's in my top top three as well. That's a good one. All right. Yeah. Good opinions. You have good opinions. Right. I, I approve Thank of your you. opinions I'm, probably once, more than I'm not anyone else. Blamed for you know my correct <laughs> opinions. <laughs> good job, Grayson. Thank you for jumping in, coming in clutch yeah. at the end there. <laughs> I think you actually agreed more with Grayson than you did with Toffee this time around. I think so, yeah. Wow. wow. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Interesting, Weird. interesting. Weird world. Wow. All right. <laughs> Thank you, <That> everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for jumping in. We're going to close out the Discord chat now. Bye, guys. Boop. All right. Let's take a break right here. When we come back, gingerbread soda. Stick around. <laughs> Every few weeks, I have the responsibility of walking several of our students off campus. One student in particular, a first grade boy, likes to try and see just how far my arms actually reach. I've had to learn to hold tighter to his hand, especially when we find ourselves crossing through potential danger. Depending on the day and his attitude determines the level of resistance I receive from him. So many times I find myself just like that little friend of mine, resistant to what's ahead fighting the desire to dig my heels in and stay where I am, or wanting to run my life in the opposite direction, all the while forgetting who has hold of me. Isaiah 41.13 tells us, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. What a comfort. Just as I take hold of my friend and cross him into safety despite his resistance, God too takes hold of my right hand and leads me down the path he has already set aside just for me. He knows every obstacle, every barrier, and every struggle that lies ahead. And yet, as long as he is leading me, I can walk in faith. Trusting the one whose protection over me is even stronger than my protection over my students. And that because of his firm grip of my hand, I have nothing to fear. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. We changed some things up for this new season, including what we record live on Twitch. Each week, we record our shows the Friday or Saturday before with our friends on Twitch. Uh, Thursday, this week. Follow us on twitch.tv slash LTN on air to be notified when we go live. And join our Discord at backrowdiscord.com for after-the-show discussion and even opportunities to be on the show yourself. Plus, our normal Tuesday taste test will now only be available on our video platforms. Catch it live on Twitch or later in the week on YouTube at youtube.ltnonair.com. 
thebackrowltn.com or on our TikTok at thebackrowltn. Before we go any further, it's time for Mo's Fact of the Day. Uh, in a lifetime, you make 396 friends, but only one out of 12 friendships last. <sighs> I feel like those are pretty high numbers that I have not reached. I mean, the average person. <laughs> I mean, the cool people. Not the lame ones like you. The average person. <laughs> Not the average introvert. The average person. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, now it's time that we come... Now it's time that we come clean and admit that we are major junk food nerds. And every week we like to showcase and talk about junk food that has been recently announced or even spotted in stores or on menus. See, when you did that, it didn't sound like you were like covering up for your screw up it sounded like oh i forgot the theme song (laughs) (laughs) now it's time (laughs) well maybe i did (laughs) (laughs) today we're gonna kick it off with pepsi teaming up with cracker jack to launch a new cola pepsi and cracker jack it's a cola with the popcorn peanut and caramel flavors of cracker jack in it the cans also feature a temporary tattoo of which there are four designs. Um, so I know like putting peanuts in your Pepsi or peanuts in your thing, Coke yeah. is a thing. Peanuts in your Pepsi is a thing for but sure. But popcorn? Caramel popcorn at that. Um, I mean, I, I got to believe there's already caramel flavors in Pepsi. Oh, yeah. So I feel oh, like yeah. it's really just going to be like a They're popcorn gonna... and peanut flavor yeah. added to it. Yeah, it could be good. Could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the weird one. Mountain Dew Gingerbread Snapped is on its way. And what's weird about it is that you go in thinking it's going to be this strange Christmassy flavor. and reality, it will taste like Pepsi, Coke, something like that. Because... The recipe for Pepsi or or for Coke lean heavily on citrus flavors and uh, essentially the... the Like ginger? Ginger ginger and ginger... Essentially all the seasonings that you get in gingerbread cookies. Like those are the two things that kind of mix to make the the standard cola flavor. Interesting. Coke, I think, leans a little bit heavier. I wish I had a Coke here right now. One of them leans (laughs) leans a little heavier on the citrus flavors, and the other leans a little heavier on the the ginger-ish flavors. Um, Mm. But, yeah, so you'll see this. It'll be a Mountain Dew flavor. It'll be colored like a, a white color, but it'll taste like... It'll taste like a knockoff Coke, essentially, is what it'll taste like. So it'll taste like... What is that one? R. What is that one? RT. RC Cola. RC Cola. <laughs> Maybe RC. something like that. Huh. Or the Walmart Cola. Man. A <laughs> uh, uh, blast from our past here. Uh, Fruit Stripe. You remember Fruit Stripe gum? Yes. With the, the little, uh-huh. the little with the rainbow zebra. zebra on it. Yep. Mm-hmm. The gum flavor the lasted gum. all of 10 to, seconds. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that flavor in those 10 seconds. It was phenomenal. And that's oh. why the pack had 36 sticks in it. You just finish it off in one night. That's 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 right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, they're coming out with a gummy candy with those flavors in it. Interesting. So I'm interested in trying that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Drumsticks coming out with peppermint ice cream cones. Uh, So these are chocolate-dipped cones uh, in peppermint flavor, peppermint with a fudge center flavor, and then chocolate peppermint 
uh, ice cream cones. All going to be good. All going to be good. So I really, really love peppermint. Yeah. But something, it's peppermint cold is difficult. Why? I feel like all mint flavors lean lean itself to colder. That's what I'm saying. Because peppermint already is like, it has that cooling sensation. Uh, And so if you have something that's... You think it'd be too much? Yes. That's why I can't do like, like... York peppermint patties that have been frozen. They're like that little, or putting your thin mints in the freezer. That's a big thing. Oh, you can't I do that. I have a difficult time with that. No, uh. I have, because it's just too much cold. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah, anyway, okay. That's I feel weird. like my mouth okay. is frozen. <laughs> uh, Coffee Maid is coming out with a new flavor, Rice Krispie Treats flavor. Okay. Because that's the trend lately with Coffee Maid and uh, the other brand. International Delight, is that what it is? Yes. It's just find cereal something flavors. that people like. Not just cereal. Like we got Snickers, Reese's. That's true. Just get everything in there. That's true. Everything that's another flavor, let's put it in. So I'm here to tell you that I am currently drinking a Rice Krispies um, shake. Yeah. Oh, is that what that is? Mm-hmm. And like Rice Krispie, I want you to think about it. It doesn't have a flavor. When, well, yeah, the Rice Krispies... Don't. Yeah. Is it a Rice Krispie treat shake or just Rice No, it's Krispie? just Rice Krispie shake. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, that's weird. It just tastes like a vanilla okay. shake, essentially. So that's <laughs> as far as this Coffee Mate Rice Krispies treats, it's just going to taste like sugar. <laughs> that's all. Well, no, it'll taste like marshmallow, I believe, because that's what the difference would be. Which is just sugar. sugar. <laughs> okay. But sugar... <laughs> A mouthful of sugar and a marshmallow don't taste exactly the same. Uh, <laughs> I beg to differ. All right. Nestle Sensations <laughs> coming out with a new cereal-flavored milk. Fruit Loops cereal-flavored milk. Okay. Uh, we've already had, I think, the uh, 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 Cinnamon Toast Crunch version of this came out recently. It's a weird concept. It's just what you would have at the end of your bowl of cereal. Without the cereal. Sure. I guess. Uh-huh. Old El Paso is coming out with Takis Fuego flavored taco shells. Okay. Taking a, taking a beat from Taco Bell's volcano shell tacos. Making their own. Okay. Burger King has a ghost pepper nuggets right now for the Halloween season. No, thank you. Hot. And they're also testing impossible nuggets. Meatless chicken nuggets. In other places. The impossible meat stuff has really blown my mind because, you know, growing up, I've tried some of the, especially Burger King. Burger King usually has had a a vegetarian option on their menu consistently. And every time I've tried, just, just awful. Just how can anyone think this is anything close enough? To meet, to enjoy it. But oh, I liked the impossible. No, no, no I'm talking about oh, okay. before that, before okay. the impossible stuff. But when the impossible stuff came out, whew, what did they do? What did they figure out? I know the impossible Whopper is actually, yeah, pretty good. We're we're gonna find out in ten years. There was meat in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Whataburger is coming out with a hatch green chili bacon chicken sandwich. That's their their answer to the chicken sandwich wars. To throw a bunch of green chili and bacon on it. That sounds painful. <laughs> Taco Bell has brought back their Doritos Cheesy Gordita Crunch. 
That's my favorite thing on the menu right now. Since I got rid of the Mexican pizza, that's my favorite thing. Mexican pizza was good. Oh, man. Please. Even if it's just as a one of the seasonal, you know, rotating things, bring back the Mexican pizza, please. Yeah. Please, Taco Bell. Applebee's is offering a $1 deal uh, through the end of October that adds a dozen double crunch shrimp to any steak entree for a buck. Fancy like Applebee's <laughs> on a date night. Red Robin has uh, launched its cheese lover's menu. Red Robin. They got a cheesy bacon fondue burger. A flame grilled beef burger patty, American cheese, hardwood smoked bacon, and mayo on a toasted brioche bun. It comes with a side of cheesy bacon fondue for dipping. And, of course, their bottomless steak fries. Have you ever thought about a, dipping a burger in fondue? I ain't dipping my burger in the fondue. I'm dipping my bottomless fries <laughs> in the fondue. That's what I'm dipping in the fondue. Well, they also have cheesy bacon fondue on its own that you can order uh, as an add-on for anything, essentially. Uh, at the Red Robin's Donato's locations, which are the burger slash pizza joints that they have. They have the Donato's Ultimate Grilled Cheese Pizza, topped with hardwood smoked bacon, Roma tomatoes, smoked provolone and Parmesan cheeses, roasted garlic, and toasted breadcrumbs. Okay. And then mozzarella sticks, which are standard mozzarella sticks, but they don't normally have them on their menu. And now Hey, Toffee loves mozzarella sticks. <laughs> All right. Guys. 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 All, all of those restaurants competing to see who can clog your arteries fastest. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, welcome to the to the show, Cookies and Cocoa 5. Mm -hmm. Glad to have you here. That's yep. a good good first quote for the show for you. All right. Ego Pop-Tarts. A new toaster pastry featuring a flaky, buttery yellow crust that is meant to be evocative of an Ego waffle. The crust is topped with a layer of white icing decorated with a waffle-like grid pattern of yellow string icing, and inside there is a sweet maple-flavored filling. Okay. Okay. I mean, this is the weirdest Pop-Tart I've ever heard of. Well, but... Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm down to try it. <laughs> Coming spring 2022, DiGiorno is coming out with a mac and cheese pizza. Look, I've had uh, three different mac and cheese pizzas in my life. The first one was at a CC's. Mm -hmm. Those were yes. all right. Those were a pretty good introduction to it. The next one was at a place um, in the like the little town before you get to Mount Rushmore. That one was amazing. Rapid City? Yes, Rapid City. There was a place that had a, a mac and cheese um Bacon mac and cheese pizza. It was, oh, phenomenal. Uh, and then the third one that I had, I don't remember where I had it, um, but it was garbage. It was so bad. I've, I've erased it from my memory aside from just the utter was guttural feeling of. Papa Murphy's? This is the worst thing I've ever done. Nothing I've ever gotten from Papa Murphy's has been bad. So oh, don't you dare. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know what to feel about this, but I'm willing to give it a try. All right. 
Uh, and keeping it in the pizza family here, Domino's oven baked dips. Have you seen these? I've seen them. Uh, I have not tried them. I've not tried them either. So they got three new dips, guys. I am super interested. Five cheese dip that comes with bread twists. Uh, it is a blend of cheddar, Asiago, Parmesan, American, and pizza cheeses baked with Alfredo sauce. So it's just whew, heavy. Heavy cheese. All kinds of cheeses in that. They got a cheesy marinara dip, pizza sauce, Alfredo sauce, and pizza cheese baked together. And then they got a baked apple and cinnamon dip. This is the one I want to try. My goodness. Or baked with apple the, dip. With the cinnamon twist. Yeah, with oh. the cinnamon twist. Uh, and it's got apple pie filling in it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, this this is artery clogging territory right here. We talked last week about how <laughs> apple pie is like my favorite dessert. Yeah, yeah. And this, every time I've seen this commercial, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. I want to dip my face in the dip, uh-huh. please. I don't even need the cinnamon <laughs> twist. I just just a straw. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take another quick break. When we come back, what do we love? With, what do we do with a culture that is at odds with us? <laughs> Stick around. See, on the yeah. ones I even remember to fix, now you're just going to read them wrong. <laughs> My bad. Sorry. <laughs> Thy Nerd emphasize relational outreach. From huge convention halls to local game nights across the world, LTN wants to show the love of Jesus to nerds and nerd culture. We are always developing resources and guides to help you grow nerd ministry in your area and expanding our reach as a ministry into all areas of nerd culture. Connect with us on social media at Love Thy Nerd and at LTN on air and join in. the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. Remember that we air first exclusively on LTN Radio, ltnonair.com, every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m. But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, find the Back Row Morning Show podcast version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Subscribe, rate five stars, and leave a review. Do it, and we'll love you forever. Earlier, we kicked off this idea of questioning our reality reality by first... <laughs> our reality. <laughs> Watch yourself. Uh, of questioning our reality by first discussing questioning authority. But it's not just the government and rulers that um, have lately been trying to write the narrative and shame anyone who thinks differently or even asks the questions. We're going to talk about the culture we live in. Now, this is certainly a topic that can go in many different directions, but I wanted to set up this segment by asking you a question, Mo. Oh, okay. Growing up, you've heard the story of War of the Worlds radio broadcast, correct? No. The, uh, oh gosh, why can't I remember his name now? Oh, shoot. You were just expecting me to know. This I'm is sorry. Well, this is a, this is a, uh, Orson Welles. Orson Welles, War of the Worlds. Um, where in the, the 40s, I think it was, they started this radio program, and uh, it started off like a, a regular like uh, orchestral performance, okay. and then they cut in with the fake news broadcast. Yes, okay. Saying that... Uh, something has happened. Or whatever, yes. blah, 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 yes. blah. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. We see a, a disc now coming down in the distance. Yes. Someone is coming out of it. Oh, goodness. 
That man is just, Yes. <laughs> they suddenly the transmission cuts off and they go back to music. Mm-hmm. Further breaking news now. And so you've heard that story. Yes. And what, what have you heard was the reaction to that story? Like the re- what did people do when they heard that radio station? Uh, they were terrified the world was ending. Right. They yeah. all freaked out. They yeah. all panicked. Uh, mass people, hysteria. Mass hysteria. People committed suicide out of fear. All this kind of stuff. We've right. heard that story since childhood. Mm-hmm. What if I told you most of that didn't even happen? Really? Okay. So in reality, when this came on, first of all, if you've ever gone and heard it, which I actually picked up a CD with the entire broadcast on it from, I think, the Dollar Tree several years ago, and I listened to the whole thing myself, which was really entertaining. But literally at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end of this very short broadcast, it was only about half an hour long, a little bit longer, they say, this is a dramatic play. By H.G. Wells. I was going to say, <laughs> it really is like a, it's an excerpt from something that he wrote, is it not? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay. And so this was this was a, just a dramatic acting thing, and it was clearly presented as that. People who heard the whole thing obviously knew what it was. People who uh, came in late. Yeah, tuned in partway through. Tuned in partway through. Most no likely idea. thought that it was actually war mm-hmm. starting because yeah. they were in the middle of very tense uh, war situation. I don't remember with which country, but there was a, a situation where they thought war was going to break out. But even then, they wouldn't have assumed, uh, one, that it was aliens, or two, that the aliens were about to take over all the world. They would have assumed that. Secondly, they would have called somebody, and somebody would have told them, no, that's not happening, or it's a radio broadcast uh, of a story or something. Yeah. There were very, very few calls of anybody to the police or to anybody else panicking that there were aliens coming to take over the world. It was reported in the newspapers, though, that there were thousands of this. Thousands and thousands of these calls based on a couple situations. Interesting. Now... The reasoning why is the best part. Radio was still relatively new. Mm-hmm. And radio was entering into the news arena. And the newspaper, at this point, the only source for news, did not like that. Mm. And so the news took this opportunity to try and ruin radio as unreliable and dangerous. Wow. And so they jumped on the very few handful of stories of people overreacting. And they took what were facts, but spun them, such as that the New York City um, switchboards were all jam-packed that night. That was a fact. But the truth was, they're jam-packed, they were jam-packed at that time of that night of that day every week. And very little of that traffic had anything to do with what was going on. In fact, the truth was very few, you know, just a couple, maybe at most a couple thousand people actually heard the thing at all. Wow. Okay. (sighs) They reported that there were uh, mass suicides of people freaking out. They haven't found a single corroborating incident of anybody committing suicide or killing somebody else out of panic from this situation. Wow. Never really happened. But the truth is, we are not, as a culture, prone to mass hysteria. We are prone to believe stories that are told often enough. Mm-hmm. If we hear bad facts, fringe opinions, fake news often enough, we tend to start believing it. 
this is a proven phenomenon, and we have recently talked about the media trying their hardest to do this in recent years. And that's why we had news people standing in front of burning police stations having the audacity to say this is a peaceful protest. Because if we say it often enough, we believe what we're told and not what we see. Yeah. That's why even after it was unequivocally proven that Donald Trump had no help from the Russians in 2016 and that, in fact, the entire dossier of evidence for the years-long investigation was built upon a completely fabricated uh, (laughs) set of uh, fake facts built by the opposing political party, there is no way you can convince many people that it wasn't Russian interference (laughs) because the media repeated it like it was a fact for four years. And, of course, the media drives the culture. And I would put the entertainment industry in the same position. What we watch on TV, what we hear in our music, what we read in our books and comics, what we see on the big screen, it's all presenting a specific vision of America and the world. And the vision is almost always at odds with biblical morality. So the question, can we as Christians question the culture, is not really a difficult question to answer. Of course we can, and in many cases we should. But the question really becomes, how can we reach a culture that is so thoroughly almost brainwashed mm-hmm. <laughs> on a daily basis? So I have this, this, um, this article from uh, faithlife.com, and it says, three views on the relationship between Christianity and culture. And... Uh, It's taking basically three approaches, three approaches for us as to how to approach culture. The first one is Christianity against culture. And this is seeing these two as two opposing forces of influence. The church stands on one side of the line, culture on the other. Um, This is especially a temptation for Americans who realize that their country is becoming increasingly post-Christian and in some ways even anti-Christian. They realize that their beliefs on certain theological and moral issues will increasingly be rejected and mocked by the political and cultural elite and by many of their fellow citizens. So that's what we kind of talked about with the last segment is we're in this position in America where we feel like our rights are being taken away or our morality is being stripped from the country Mm -hmm. and the truth is, yeah, that's going to happen. That was always going to happen. We're going to have little victories here and there, but as we trend towards the end times, it's really just going to kind of get worse and worse. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't, that means we shouldn't stand up for what is morally right uh, and biblically right, uh, you know, like against abortion and things of that nature. But I'm saying we shouldn't really be surprised that the culture wants to go this way. Mm -hmm. That's what we can expect. Right. It's pretty written out pretty clear. And so what essentially happens here is that when we have this mindset of Christianity versus culture, we tend to view the church as more of a bomb shelter, a place where we're going to hold up in until this all blows over. And if you out there wise up enough to realize you need our help, we'll let you in. Mm hmm. What do you think of that perspective? Um, I mean, <laughs> I keep, I, I don't want to, okay, I keep going back to a moment that I wrote several, several weeks ago about walls and bridges. Mm-hmm. And that's just the analogy that I keep kind of popping up in my head. We are building one of two things. We're either building walls 
around ourselves that's closing people off or we're building bridges. And with that bridge, not only are we going to be able to reach other people, but other people are going to be able to come to know Jesus. And I don't think it takes a genius to figure out what we're supposed to be building. Yeah. Uh, That's exactly what this article comes to say. It says, these are man-made barriers that only create the illusion of safety from sin. Mm -hmm. It externalizes godliness and treats it as something that can be kept out by man-made walls, or godlessness, rather, uh, that can only be kept out by man-made walls, rather than understanding that godlessness is a disease of the soul that can never be walled out. So the mindset tends towards legalism and tries to restrict Christians' interactions with society and culture. And so basically we put ourselves in a bubble mm-hmm. and say, you're on your own to the rest of the world, mm-hmm. thinking that we'll be fine, thinking that we ourselves won't have to deal with the sin, even though we're all going to have our own sins that we're going to struggle with. And that's kind of when we get ourselves in the trouble that we've had in uh, the Bap- Southern Baptist Church and the Catholic Church. We build ourselves into this uh, what we think, uh, a safe bubble. And then when we start to find out that, oh gosh, things are happening in this bubble that we don't want to be happening. We tend to sweep them under the rug in order to maintain this appearance of godliness and being a stronghold. Uh, specifically the two things I mentioned are sexual sin, the, Southern Baptist Church and, of course, the Catholic Church for the last decade or more, two decades, have been dealing with sexual scandals um, that have largely just been swept under the rug in order to maintain the appearance of uh, perfection, almost godly perfection. Uh, If you've been listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, you'll see that was the same thing. Anytime something came up, it was taken care of internally, brushed under the rug. Uh, We're seeing this in some of our school systems right now where things are happening and the school is choosing to deal with it internally instead of going to the police like it should be done with. Uh, Like there's, there's a lot of this going on where if we build our tower strong enough uh, from the outside, then anything that happens on the inside is not as important as maintaining that barrier, maintaining those walls. That's a dangerous place for us to be in. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to the second idea, Christianity of culture. This is where uh, we embrace culture and bring it into the church. Those with a Christianity of culture perspective tend to build churches that are mirrors of the culture. Cultural shifts that happen independently of the church aren't always bad. Uh, God has enabled all people, Christian or not, to make good and valuable contributions to the cultural realm. The human rights movement and the uh, abolition of slavery brought about monumental positive changes. Looking back now, we can recognize that there were Christians on both sides of these movements, some advocating them and some resisting them. We can agree that the Christians resisting these cultural shifts were in the wrong, but culture isn't always right, and the church can't mirror every move culture makes. Without God, culture raises up idols in its place, celebrities, politicians, sex, wealth, power, even productivity and freedom. Can the church embrace culture without also embracing its idols? Christians with this mindset tend to view the cultural context in very high esteem, perhaps disagreeing with aspects of it here or there, but for the most part, finding it to be an pardon me, ally rather than a threat. So 
What do you think of this idea? My brain hurts. <laughs> that is what I think. This is essentially going too far the other direction. Yeah. This is having no walls. This is having no separation. Right. And uh, as it says here in the article, this perspective fully embraces the gray. So we live, you know, in a world where God tells us, you know, be either hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead, this kind of perspective embraces the lukewarm. And this is, uh, I would say for me, this is almost more terrifying. The most thing, the most terrifying, if you will, Mm. um, where Christians find themselves. Yeah. Yes, it's that whole um, love the sinner, hate the sin mentality. You know, it's people have a difficult time separating the two. People have a difficult time being able to say, I can love this person, but not agree with it. And for a lot of people, that's difficult. That's difficult to actually put into action. And so what ends up happening is... They not only love the person, but they excuse the choices that are being made right. and write it off or find some sort of verse that kind of sort of backs it to where they can say, well, okay, God said this. You or know. even they just take empathy too far. Sure. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, we can, uh, I do constantly preach that we need to be more empathetic for people that don't. Uh, believe the way that we do because they don't live by the morality that we do. Mm -hmm. But you can take that too far by saying, and because that they don't believe what we do, what they're doing is okay. Yeah. Until they become a Christian, then they should get it fixed. And that's, I mean, again, you're not their, you're not their spiritual leader. So I'm not saying it's your job to fix it, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, all you're doing is leading them into this false sense of security of you can still be exactly like you are. If you come to Christ, Yeah. you don't have to change. Yeah. And that's very much not the case. We all have to change and we all have to continually change Mm -hmm. to try and work to be more and more like Christ. Um, And I do think that uh, even Love Thy Nerd uh, has to be very uh, mindful of this because we tend to be in a we tend to be in a nerdy culture. And and our perspective with Love Thy Nerd has been. Tilling the soil, plowing the field, preparing Mm -hmm. it for seeds. Not so much even planting seeds, even though that will occur naturally. But it's more about helping break down the hearts that have been hardened against the church. Absolutely. Because they've been hurt Mm -hmm. or they've been ostracized. Um, Like, you know, in the 90s, anybody who played Dungeons and Dragons was automatically assumed to be a Satanist in training. by a lot of churches (laughs) Mm -hmm. who did not even take the time to understand what was really happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same thing happened in the 2000s with Harry Potter. If you read a Harry Potter book, you were a Wiccan in training. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also not the case for most people. There's going to be fringe people that get way too into it and take it too far. Uh, Again, that is the exception, not the rule. Yeah. And so there's a whole whole slew of Christians from many different like nerdy fandoms that have been 
ostracized and told that, you know, God doesn't love them because of what they like. Mm-hmm. Uh, when reality, it's just entertainment stuff. And a lot of it has allegories to faith that we could pull out. Well, that's and, something that we learn every day. Uh huh. And there's a whole group of Christians who believe that if you have time to game, then you're lazy. Ah, uh, yeah. And that in and of itself <clears throat> is sinful. Right. But in reality, Love Thy Nerd is trying to build this community mm-hmm. and build build these opportunities to both not not let down the walls of church, but to open the doors, at least, to where, come in, if you like it here, stay, and we can talk more. Mm-hmm. That's essentially all it is, is you're welcome here. We want you here. And that is true. Whether or not you ever come to Christ, we still want you here. And if you want to hang out with us, that's great. And the idea would be, the longer that you hang out with us, the more open you would be to having these deeper discussions. Mm-hmm. And so that's of thy nerd's goal. Now, I can clearly see that it'd be very easy for us to just sit here and video game all day and never talk about Christ. Absolutely. Never get into these things because we don't want to push anyone away too quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why I love that nerd has made more uh, specific um, podcasts like church nerds and Bible thump and things of that nature that are, you know, explicitly about, you know, growing the faith within the culture. Um, to make this clear that this is our goal. That's why every single, uh, stream ends with Jesus loves you nerd, because that is the main message uh, that we want you to take about, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, most important that all Christians agree with you or that all Christians think that what you're doing is fine or not. What's most important is that Jesus loves you Mm -hmm. no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. In fact, I remember, uh, triple X church, um, has the same kind of issue. Triple X church is a ministry that one of the main things that they do is that they go to porn conventions and set up a booth and hand out Bibles. And one of their slogans is Jesus loves porn stars because it's true. Mm -hmm. These people exist as porn stars and Jesus still loves them. Yeah. It's not saying that Jesus affirms everything that these people are doing, Mm -hmm. but that message in itself is true. And that's the message that they want to get out. You think about the the porn industry and you think of people that are gone, like that's, there's no way for them to come back. Right. Or you think about... Uh, many people in prison, you think there's no way for them to come back. You think about a lot of terrible, terrible people who do terrible things or contribute terrible things to society. And you think, well, I'm not sure I want to invite that kind of person to church. And that's a terrible mindset to have, Mm -hmm. but we all have it. And a lot of us have, you know, I can't, I'm sure all of us at one point who attend church regularly, I've seen someone walk in the doors of the church that's like, oh, I'm not sure they're going to fit in here. It's just a natural, even if it's just for a second, it's a natural reaction that we have because we're used to seeing people that look exactly like us and we get comfortable in these positions and we can get, we can build those walls that we have. And then at the same time, we can go too far and we can have churches that are like, you can come in here. And you can continue to live your sinful life and we're not going to say boo about it. And those are two extremes uh, of the issue, both of which are not accomplishing 
any real good. Because on the one hand, we have people that feel like, well, if they don't want me here, I'm not going to come to church and they're never going to come to Christ. On the other hand, we have, oh, if these people are so affirming of everything I'm doing. Why do I need to change? Mm-hmm. I'll hang out with them, but I'm not going to come to Christ. And so that brings us to our third situation. <laughs> Christianity in and for culture. Okay. A third and better mindset is one that views human beings as representatives of Christ who live their lives in the midst of and for the good of their cultural context and whose cultural lives are characterized by obedience and witness. As Christians, we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent another world while we live in the midst of this one. God created the structure to allow culture to exist, shift, and progress. And as humans, we formulate and shape the culture within God's structure. Every cultural context is structurally good, but directionally corrupt. And for this reason, we we must live firmly in the midst of our cultural context, structurally, all the while seeking to steer our culture realities toward Christ rather than toward idols, directionally. We are fully immersed in the culture, but everything about us points back to the one we serve. This doesn't mean that we agree with everything culture does, but we learn to understand it and speak its language, identify its true desires, all within the intention of showing how Christ is the only one who can correctly fulfill those well-meaning, though often misplaced desires. Mm-hmm. So I like to say... when talking to anyone about Jesus, and this is what I love about love thy nerd. Um, everything you say is going to fall on deaf ears. If you don't have a relationship with that person. Absolutely. That relationship, that friendship, all of the stuff that comes before the big conversation is like the foundation Without that foundation, without that relationship, there is no, I shouldn't say no, because God can use all things, right? Um, But we have less likelihood of walking people towards salvation without a relationship Mm -hmm. with them first. Absolutely. Uh, the, the verse that you just reminded me of is, is uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Exactly. Essentially, if you're trying to bring people to Christ and you're trying to, to spread the gospel, but you're doing it from afar because you don't, <laughs> you don't have love in, this, in your heart for these people that are, are, are searching whether they know it or not, every person who's not a believer is searching for Christ. If you don't have that love, that empathy, that, that desire to bring them into the fold, if you're just simply going out there shouting it out, or like I said, bile on your tongue, you know, yelling Bible verses, you're just noise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you said, fall on deaf ears. You're just noise. Mm-hmm. You are bang, 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 bang. No one's listening. Yeah. Turned it off immediately. Uh-huh. Yep. Charlie Brown's teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what it is. And so we, 
in in the in the overall topic of it, you know, questioning culture. Yeah, we're going to question culture. That's really not the issue. Uh, the issue is providing a path to the anti-culture, <laughs> to the Christ culture. You know, providing a way to bridge that gap, like you said, building bridges and not walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, giving that option, and that requires us being where the people are, yeah. being in the culture. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus, when hung out at parties with a whole bunch of non-believing people, <laughs> he was in the culture, and he used that as an opportunity to spread his message mm-hmm. through love. The mo- <laughs> in the Bible, you'll see God, or you'll see Jesus uh, talk very sternly with a lot of people, and most of them are religious leaders mm-hmm. who are doing the wrong thing. <laughs> and even when he's that talking, very true. even when he's talking sternly with other people, it's uh, it's typically not the same way he's talking. You know, he called he called Pharisees he called names. <laughs> He called them vipers. You know, he was, he was, he was calling them straight out in public, but like contrast that with talking with the woman at the well. Exactly. He was very direct and some might say even rude. He's like, why don't you get your husband and we'll talk about it. Well, I don't have a husband. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. You don't do you? You have five. And but he was also very loving. with somebody else who's not your husband. He was very loving, but that in itself proved to her mm-hmm. that he was who he said he was. Yeah. Because that is what she went and told everybody else. He told me everything I've ever done. Yeah. And so when he, he'll speak direct and, and what might appear as rude at first, but even that was an act of love because it was him doing it. <laughs> uh, the way he had to do it in order to get someone's attention. Mm-hmm. And so think about how you interact with people. Now, I wouldn't say put yourself in Jesus's shoes here, because as I've often said, Jesus could do a lot of things that we just can't do. (laughs) He could approach things a lot of ways that we can't because we can't see everything from every perspective and from all of times, you know, roll out. But if you don't come with the heart that Jesus had of actually reaching these people, actually breaking down those barriers, then again, it'll accomplish nothing. So question the culture, but also build that bridge from the culture Mm -hmm. to Christ with love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any last word you want to have on that? Um, I think just going back to, you know, the way that Jesus treated the woman at the well versus the way that he treated the Pharisees, something that just goes right back to relationship. And while Jesus didn't have a relationship with the woman at the well, he knew her, Mm. you know, he didn't have to have a relationship to get to know her, to figure out how best she would receive a message. He knew her. Well, yeah. I, I mean, at the same time, though, that had to go both ways. And so he, she had to build that relationship with him. Sure. Yeah. But what I, so yes, you're exactly right. However, Jesus is going to speak 
differently right. to different people right. based on their differences, you know, yeah, yeah. how they each uniquely hear and receive things. Absolutely. And in order for the things that we say to not be noise, noise, <laughs> uh huh, um, we have to know how each person is going to uniquely receive what we have to say. Yeah. I can tell you one thing in one very different way than what I'm going to tell my 14 year old. Mm -hmm. I'm giving the exact same message, but I'm giving it in two very different ways because you're going to receive it differently than what he's going to receive it. Yeah. Because you've built these relationships. And so, you know, the heart of people a little bit better. Right. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Now, in our first two discussions, we focus mainly on earthly authority and culture, but tomorrow we discuss the ultimate authority. Is it wrong to question God? Stick around and we'll share something that we love. What's up, nerd? You digging this podcast? Well, the audio enjoyment doesn't end there. Visit LTNOnAir.com and make LTN Radio your new go-to for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie, as well as our exclusive LTN shows and podcasts, some of which air on the station before they're available anywhere else. Visit LTNOnAir.com to listen now and find the link to our app. Now back to the show. to the Backroom Morning Show as things are winding down for the day. Now, before we go, we want to share some things that we love. And the thing that I love this week uh, comes from uh, Discovery Plus. Of course it does. One of the greatest streaming services on the dang planet. And it is Ace of Cakes. Did you ever watch that show? Mm -hmm, I did. Oh my gosh. I never watched it. But I've been watching it now uh, when I'm up early with the baby. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Dang, that's an entertaining show. Very fun. Very fun. I'm not into like reality type shows. And this is one of those kind of, this is a real reality show where they're like following a business around. Hold on. Duff. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, he's from Baltimore. I d- yeah. That's where the, that's where Charm uh-huh. City Cakes yep. is. Yeah. Yep. Baltimore. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very entertaining dang show. Yeah. I love it. They're so nice and they make such cool cakes. Mm-hmm. Can't believe I didn't watch it the first time around, but see, this is why I love Discovery Plus. They got so many. Cho- I could just live on the Food Network portion of Discovery Plus and be happy for the rest of my life. I could just, there's so much stuff. I gotta yeah. get into watching like Iron Chef America. Oh my gosh, Chris and I used to watch Iron <laughs> Chef America all the time. Yeah, Food, all ne- the time. Food Network Challenge, where they're building all those like sugar sculptures and yeah, I mean all those things from yep. a decade ago that were just Damn. nonstop binge watching material. Okay, so recently, like in Good Eats, recent years they've been doing like food truck. Yeah, challenge. they've done some of those. Those are actually really fun. Yeah, yeah. I really like the food truck challenge. They did like that a, show is. They very briefly did like mall food court wars as malls were dying. So there was only like two uh-huh. seasons of it, but that was really fun too. Like this is a lot of good stuff out there. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. All right, what's your So thing? my thing that I love is cucumbers and ranch. Okay, but listen. <laughs> It's the ranch. <laughs> it's the ranch packet. The dry seasoning oh, of ranch. Really? You slice up a cucumber. You peel the cucumber. Slice it up. Stick it in a bowl. Cover it with that ranch. 
seasoning, dry seasoning, put a lid over the bowl and shake it up and just let it sit for just a minute or two because the natural, um, oh goodness, moisture from the cucumber mixes in with the dry ranch dressing okay seasons it perfectly it's i could see how that would work delicious i bet deidre would like that a lot delicious it's like my favorite snack wow so good i hate ranch you know so uh, i'm not a super fan of ranch dressing yeah but i like the flavor of ranch (laughs) and so this is like the perfect i mean i like ranch doritos yeah (laughs) exactly is that that flavor Pretty much. It really kind of is. I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. Oh, I love it. I don't know if I could do it. I like dry ranch flavoring. I don't know if I can have it on a wet vegetable. (laughs) Just a texture thing. It's just, I'm I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I know me. You're not. You're wrong. Straight wrong. But whatever. It it is what it is. (laughs) Let's with our verse for the day. Our verse for the day is John 12, 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him. That's going to do it for our show today. Be sure to check out all of what we do online at lovethynerd.com. We've got amazing articles on all things nerdy, as well as this show, LTN Radio, and our other podcasts and videos. If you'd like to directly support our mission and become a financial partner with Love Thy Nerd, and specifically with LTN Radio, then please visit lovethynerd.com slash partner, and you can choose LTN Radio from the drop-down menu. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax-deductible. And make sure you're following us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Just search for at the back row LTN and connect with us. We will be back tomorrow morning and we hope you will too. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And remember, if nobody else tells you, we promise it's true. Jesus Jesus loves loves you, nerd. nerd.